to the Gateway to the Smokies podcast. This podcast is about America's most visited national park, the Great Smoky Mountains National Park and the surrounding towns. This area is filled with ancient natural beauty, a deep storied history, and rich mountain cultures that we explore with weekly episodes. I am Joseph Franklin McElroy, a man of the world, but also with deep roots in these mountains. My family has lived in the Great Smokies for over 200 years. My business is in travel, but my heart is in culture. Today, we're going to be talking about forging a blacksmith career, a blacksmithing career in the Smoky Mountains. But first, I got a message from our sponsor, which happens to be me. <laughs> Imagine a place evocative of motor courts of the past, yet modern and vibrant with a chic Appalachian feel. A place for adventure and full relaxation. Imagine a place where you can fish in a mountain heritage trout stream, grill the catch on a fire, and eat accompanied by fine wine and craft beers. Imagine a place with old-time music and world cultural sounds. There is no other place like the Metal Ark Motel in Maggie Valley, North Carolina. Your Smoky Mountain Adventures start with where you stay. Another sponsor is SmokiesAdventure.com. The Smoky Mountains and the surrounding area is a vacation destination for all seasons. Some of the nation's best hiking trails, waterfalls, outdoor adventures, and family entertainment can be found right here. Start your adventure by using SmokiesAdventure.com, that's Smokies, plural, adventure, singular.com, to explore all the wonderful features of the Great Smoky Mountains National Park. Trails, waterfalls, Cades Cove, where they've got elk and historic uh, buildings and more. Then check out the awesome family attractions and entertainment you and your entire family can enjoy. And if you're looking to have an interesting life event, you can pl- find places to have interesting outdoor weddings or, or elopements or honeymoons or just romantic getaways. The goal of SmokiesAdventure.com is to become the leading information portal for adventures in the Great Smoky Mountains. I'm going to tell you about a few men's events coming up. Here, at the Metal Ark Motel, uh, we're going to have a wonderful event in celebration of Mother, uh, Mother's Day this weekend, uh, May 6th through the 8th of 2022. And it's called Wild Crafting and Mother Nature's Natural Garden Program with Isla Hatter. Um, and it's a weekend honoring female empowerment and iconic Appalachian women. And, and that's what better time to do that than Mother's Day. It kicks off Friday night when we will have acclaimed author, wilderness survival expert, Haywood County search and rescue team member, and record-setting endurance athlete, Nancy East, to present her program, Moms Moving Mountains. And she will share her experiences in the great outdoors, as well as her uh, amazing endurance hiking achievements and, uh, and a lot of her search and rescue stories that are quite interesting. And then she'll have a book signing of her, of her, of her new book. And that's $10 for uh, admission, and it's free for the guests of the motel. And then on Saturday, uh, in the afternoon, we're going to have a, a whole uh, 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 adventure uh, with Isla um, Hatter, uh, who's a legendary wildcrafting expert, renowned author, filmmaker, instructor, and tour guide for the Great Smoky Mountains National Park at the, their elite field school. Uh, she's an expert on edible pan, plants, medicinal herbs, and anything pertaining to wildcraft foraging and Appalachian plants, trees, and flowers. She's been on television shows and videos and books, 
and has worked on uh, as an advisor for movies and television shows. Um, and she will be presenting her beloved program, Mother's Nature Natural Garden, and leading, uh, which is talking about foraging and all the things that, uh, you know, that you can do with uh, those plants and herbs in the mountains. And then she's actually going to lead a tour on the grounds of the Metal Ark Motel, which has a large wooded recreation area and, and, a, and, a, and, a, and, a, and a natural hair, mountain heritage trout stream where, and identifying nature's bounty. So you can actually get hands-on experience finding these things right in your backyard. And then will, there'll be, it'll all will culminate with a free barbecue supper and then music by uh, Mike Ogletree and friends. And the mission for that is $20 or um, is free for motel guests. And then on Sunday morning, we're gonna have a mother's, uh, mother's uh, brunch where they can have a enjoy cake and champagne at the motel. So please come by if you can. Um, upcoming events at the festival grounds is March 13th and 14th. There's the Icons of Hot Rodding Festival where you'll get 50s and 60s hot rod and custom cars, truck events, uh, events for, um, and, and for models that are 1969 and older. And there'll be 50s and 60s music, vintage vendors, pinstripers, food vendors, judging awards and presentations. And so that, uh, we look forward to that very much. Um, as you know, sometimes I like to do a, a poem um, about, uh, about that's related to the, 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 the content of the show that, that's what we're going to be doing. And I, I found one, and it's by Henry Wadsworth Longfellow, who was around from 1807 to 1882. And it's called The Village Blacksmith. But, you know, it's, I'm also, um, it talks about, you know, it also talks a lot about, you know, you know how to live life and to uh, be proud of your accomplishments and the things that you've done and to work every day uh with a pride in that and you know and, and some of that i you know I've, I've been spent 27 years in new york uh, you know doing a lot of things there and uh and now is a, a season has come where i'm moving back to north carolina i'm gonna be full time in the smoky mountain area i'm actually gonna be living in Asheville. um and uh, somehow this spoke to me as well so let me tell you about this poem it's under a spreading chestnut tree the village smithy stands the smith a mighty man is he with large and sinewy hands. And the muscles of his brawny arms are as strong as iron bands. His hair is crisp and black and long, and his face is like the tan. His brow is wet with honest wet. He earns where he can. And looks the whole world in the face, for he owes not any man. Week in, week out, from morn till night, you can hear his bellows blow. You can hear him swing his heavy sledge with measured beat and slow, like a sexton ringing the village bell when the evening sun is low. And children coming home from school look in at that open door. They love to see that flaming forge and hear the bellows roar and catch the burning sparks that fly like chafe from a threshing floor. He goes on Sunday to the church and sits amongst his boys. He hears the parson pray and teach. He hears his daughter's voice singing in the village choir. And it makes his heart rejoice. It sounds to him like his mother's voice singing in paradise. He needs must think of her once more, how in the grave she lies. And with his hard, rough hand, he wipes a tear out of his eyes. Coiling rejoicing, sorrowing, onward through life he goes. 
Each morning sees some task begin. Each evening sees it close. Something attempted, something done, has earned a night's repose. Thanks, thanks to, to thee, my worthy friend, for the, the lesson thou hast taught tonight. Taught. Thus at the flaming forge of life, our fortunes must be wrought. Thus, on its sounding anvil shaped each burning deed and thought. So, today our guest is Matthew Sherry. Sherry. Matthew is an award-winning blacksmith and metalworking artist who has lived, resided in Silva, North Carolina for the last 15 years. A native of Pennsylvania, Matthew has uh, been a full-time craftsman since 2017 and owner of Sheriff Forge since 2005. He's a member of the American Bladesmith Society and attended the, attended the John C. Campbell Folk School and the Penland School of Craft, you know, both of which have been mentioned in this program before. And breaking news, he was also the winner of the 2022 Season 9 premiere of the History Channel's hit show, Forged in Fire. Uh, and his unique style is the result of studying 18th and 19th century ironwork and cutlery, combined with the lessons learned while forging all of his products literally by hand. Uh, and when he is in creating major function art in any shape, he enjoys spending time outdoors with his wife, a notable Silva photographer, and their two children. Hello, my, Matthew. Hi. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Yeah. Well, you know, obviously we want to talk about your recent national te television show, but I, I want to explore what you've done before that, because I think the richness of your life is more important than the transient glory of a, of a media these days. Um, but congrats on that. Thank you. Um, so let's talk about your journey. Uh, you came from P Pennsylvania. Where, where, where in Pennsylvania? Um, I grew up in a little village called Mayport in Clarion County, Pennsylvania, uh -huh. which is the western part of the state. Um, it's kind of the northern tip of Appalachia. Um, cool. And where did you, uh, where did you, uh, what was your, where was your journey from there? Where did you go after Pennsylvania? Uh, gosh, I went, I went to college right there in Clarion County, kind of, um, was in and out of school a few times. Uh, and then I uh, made a couple journeys out West, spent a little time in Montana and then lived in Oregon for about a year and a half. And, um, that kind of fell through for me and I moved back to Pennsylvania and, um, I was kind of in limbo, didn't really know what I was going to do. I just knew I, at that point I, I set my sights on blacksmithing as a career and, uh, a friend of mine worked at Camp Daniel Boone down here in Waynesville, North Carolina. And he called me up and said, Hey, if you're looking for work, they, uh, they have an 18th century living history program called Boonesboro Village. And their blacksmith bailed at the last minute and they need someone in four days to be down here and ready to work for the summer. And so I threw my forge and anvil and everything I had in the back of the minivan and cruised on down here. Wow. It's a, that, that was an opportune moment for you, huh? Yeah. Yeah. It was pretty serendipitous. Oh, cool. And, um, and so before that you, you, you would just, uh, you had found your calling as a blacksmith. You didn't really have a career other than, so your, your, your focus has been what you've achieved all along, right? Yeah. Um, I spent a number of years, uh, working with kids in different, different, um, faculties and, uh, you know, 
washed dishes in kitchens and did carpentry work and did, you know, did whatever I had to do to pay the bills until, until any I was other, able to any make other, Any other crafts that you explored? Uh, I've done a lot of woodworking as well. Um, I was a, I was a shop teacher for six years before I made the jump into smithing full time. And so I did a lot of wood turning on the lathe and got into building some banjos. And, you know, I built an addition on our house and some other, you know, some other carpentry framing kind of work. So uh, I've done a lot with wood as well. Cool. Well, uh, we're, we, you know, I, I talked a lot in this first segment, so now we're going to have to explore how you came to blacksmithing uh, in the next segment. So we're going to take a break right now. Okay. Howdy, this is Joseph Franklin McElroy, back with the Gateway to the Smokies podcast, and my guest, Matthew Shirley. So, um, some of you know that uh, I like to often have a, a beer, craft beer, local craft beer, when I'm on the show, and so today I am having an IPA called King of the Mountain from a uh, local brewery here in Haywood County called Buju Brewery, and I, I, I recommend it highly. It's really, it's kind of good. Um and Matt, Matt, are you drinking water or you got something else in that? Uh, I've got a cup of tea. Ah, okay. <laughs> um, so you have a story about how you became interested in, in, uh, in, uh, in blacksmithing. You attended a workshop in a state farm, state park near your hometown? Yeah, I had, uh, in high school, I got into the living history, experimental archaeology stuff, um, you know, dressing like a, a frontiersman of the 1800s and shooting flintlock rifles and that stuff. And um, so that got me interested in blacksmithing. And I started looking locally for anybody that could teach me anything and help me get get going. And um, I happened to walk into a uh, like a heritage center in Cook Forest State Park in Northwest Pennsylvania. And they had some cl classes going on that summer. And it just so happened they had a weekend blacksmithing class with a couple local blacksmiths. And uh, so I signed up and showed up and spent the weekend standing out in the hot sun, forging away and uh, pretty much knew at the end of that weekend that this was something I, I had to do and uh, hopefully would someday be able to do it for a living. And, uh, one of the one of the blacksmiths that taught the class ended up calling me a week or two later. He had scored uh, an old champion hand crank riveters forge and uh, was nice enough to give it to me for 50 bucks when it was worth probably 200. And uh, so I got home and set that up and somebody else gave me an anvil they had sitting in a barn forever. And I, that was it. I bought a bag of coal and started forging. Fabulous. So what do you think, you know, uh, you said you had been a wood, uh, woodworker too. Is it the hands-on? What, what separated it from doing woodwork? What, what made it your life's calling? Uh, I think just the magic of forging, you know, just, just getting that steel hot and being able to manipulate it and sculpt it and shape it into whatever I wanted and make something functional. And I just, you know, as long as I can remember, I always had an obsession with knives and mm -hmm. One, you know, was always trying to make them in my dad's shop when I was a kid and whatnot, grinding old files and saw blades and stuff. And so just, you know, I, woodworking is fun. There's a lot of things I like about wood, but metal's just where it's at for me. Well, you know, I can understand it. I, you know, besides being a businessman, I, I've actually been an artist as well. And, you know, I have a few pieces here and there. 
but you know the thing that, that was the essence for me was learning to really draw uh you know and i tried lots of other things but i started learning to draw in lots of media and i, and I just felt i felt like a real pleasant a pleasant emotional experience when i just was let myself get lost in that sort of uh, right brain left brain dichotomy mm-hmm. uh, and uh and uh you know it's almost like there's a you get a buzz <laughs> yeah right so i i you know when you find your medium you know it's uh it, it's a it's like a singing in your blood right yeah yeah getting in that creative zone you know the rest of the world kind of disappears and and you know i find myself up at the shop two or three hours will go by and i'm kind of unaware of it you know because i'm just really immersed in the process and and kind of lose myself you know but it's it's interesting somebody can walk in on you i bet you when you're in that phase and they start talking to you and you can look at them and you can't even understand what they're saying yeah sometimes (laughs) yeah Right. It's like it takes a second for you to switch your consciousness so that you can actually, you know, speak it in a language. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've got a helper one day a week. And uh, sometimes I run him out of there a little earlier than I intended to because I just need to have the space to myself and not have the distraction, you know, and not have the, the kind of need to communicate. I just I just need to be able to, like, focus on what I'm doing. So you say you, you, I mean, I read that you focus, you're, you focus sort of like 18th century blacksmithing, right? Um, is that different than 19th, 20th century blacksmithing? Or, or is it, uh, is just the tools or what, what is it? Well, um, you know, I use modern tools. I've got a hydraulic press and a power hammer and belt sander and all of that. Um, I'm not, you know, I'm not doing everything in an 18th century manner, but a lot of the process is still the same as it was hundreds of years ago. I mean, I'm still, you know, forging and doing a lot of the same stuff. And I think ultimately I'm a lot of times I'm trying to make things that fit into that time period or are period correct for that time period and, and authentic for that time period. Um, so, so you went some, I, I saw you went to some really good craft schools. Uh, is that how you learned or did you also learn a lot on your own? I have mostly learned on my own, Um, you know, when I, when I started, you know, the internet was kind of a new thing at our fingertips. And so I started digging on there and any books I could find on blacksmithing, I was reading. And, you know, when I lived in Oregon, I I kind of found a couple of local blacksmiths and just started hanging out at their shop and picking their brains as much as I could, but, you know, mostly just hours and hours at the forge stumbling through it. Um, you know, I've, I've got, I've got strap knives and axes laying everywhere that are failure, you know, failed attempts. And, um, then, you know, when I, when I moved here, I was here for a few years and took a, a class at the folk school and at Penland. And, you know, I was pretty, pretty established as a blacksmith by then, but those, those classes definitely, uh, you know, improved my capabilities quite a bit. Well, they, they give you, yeah, they give you, uh, yeah, classes help you get into some specific text and techniques that, that uh, other people spent that time that you did on yours. Right. So, and you don't have to spend that time, but you know, you have a specific need for it, or you, it could give you an idea of what you need to do for certain pieces that you're working on. Yeah. Yeah. So that's cool. Um, do, you, do you have any uh, influences that you, you consider important to you? Uh, um, mentors, influences. Say that again. Mentors or influences, you know. 
Uh, I've, again, grown up with an interest in, in early American frontier stuff. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with the House Brothers out of uh, Woodbury, Kentucky, um, Herschel, Frank, and John. Mm-hmm. They uh, they make flintlock rifles and knives and axes and kind of the whole gamut of, of early American tools. And um, their work was always really inspiring to me. Uh, again, when I was in high school, I discovered the, the Foxfire books. Oh, yeah, those uh, are great books. You know, yeah. those, yeah. those have been an endless resource to me and a source of inspiration. Um, I outside of the the early American kind of stuff I got into the work of Albert Paley a lot when I first got started um, his early stuff uh, you know I, I did some architectural iron work for a while doing gates and fireplace screens and stuff and so his work was always really inspiring to me well and what, co- and what was the first thing you made uh, the first thing I made at that workshop was uh, a fork and a little bracelet and you still have them I do not. Nope. No. I, I have no idea where those ended up. I actually may have them somewhere, but I don't know where they're at. Well, what's one of the first things that you made that you still have? Oh, gosh. I still have a couple knives I made years ago that I, I don't think I would let see the light of day. <laughs> oh, yeah, right. Listen, I'm, you know, I'm sitting in a room in the, um, the, the motel where I've put a lot of my old artworks and you know i look at it and it's like this stuff it sucks but you know yeah. <laughs> it's also my private history you know so it's like uh i also remember the fun i had from discovering things from it so right uh, yeah so you know, see yeah you never want it to get out of here and when it's I, the commandment is burn it when i die yeah right <laughs> <laughs> so do you remember the first item you sold uh i think i think the first thing i ever sold was a friend of mine asked me to make a dinner triangle she wanted to hang a dinner triangle on the porch and i i remember it being quite a bit lower on the bar than i was aiming for Um, (laughs) but she she still was kind enough to pay me for it (laughs) oh that's fabulous oh oh yeah the, the the first item i ever sold was my dad had a you know somebody that was uh from um you know some car company and they wanted a little painting on a thing in their kitchen on the thing going over the sink so i made it and i got paid for it it was like wow yeah <laughs> and they actually put it up they actually put it up <laughs> <laughs> i was like dumbstruck that they actually thought it was worthwhile putting it up so that was fun uh, so um uh what is the um, what are the types of stuff that you make right now? I focus mainly on knives, axes, and uh, carbon steel frying pans. Mm-hmm. Um, that's really, like I said, I got into doing architectural iron work for a little bit. I kind of thought that was where I needed to go to make a living at it. And uh, a friend of mine who I think you've had on here, David Bruin, yeah, uh, he said, "Listen, I've I've spent most of my career doing architectural iron work, and I wish I had spent most of that time making knives and axes." And he said, do, do what you love and, you know, it'll, it'll come to fruition. Don't, don't get boxed into doing something that's going to make you miserable. Uh And um, so I kind of stepped away from the architectural ironwork a few years ago and started focusing on knives and axes and got into making these frying pans because I saw that there was a market for it. And um, I have no regrets. I really, um, you know, I think if I was still doing architectural ironwork, I wouldn't enjoy it anymore and I wouldn't 
you know, I wouldn't be happy doing it. So, well, I have a, I have a question, you know, I've gotten interested in the campfires and you know, campfire cooking and, you know, cast iron cooking, but I've been, I've been intrigued by the carbon steel stuff. What's the difference between the carbon steel uh, pans and the cast iron pans? Uh, the main difference is the, the creative process. Um, you know, uh, cast iron is just that it's, it's iron that's been melted and poured into a form and cast. Um, it tends to be, you know, more brittle than carbon steel, uh, cast iron pans can break. Uh, whereas carbon steel, they're, they're forged to shape. Um, you could throw them against a brick wall and they are not going to break. I mean, they're, they're super strong. Um, functionally speaking, they're very similar. Uh, my pans are probably a little lighter compared to the same size as cat in cast iron. And, um, I think the biggest advantage my pans have over cast iron is a longer handle. So it doesn't, it'll get warm and it'll get hot if you're, you're cooking at a high heat, but for the most part, you don't ever need an oven mitt for it. And they're a little thinner and smoother than cast iron as well. Can, can you saute with a cast iron, uh, with a, a carbon uh, steel pan? That, you can saute, you can bake, you can sear. I, I, it's hard to do it in a cast iron, you know, when you got to shake it and all that stuff. Those right. Are heavy, right. Yeah, yeah, that stubby little handle is hard to get a hold of, and mine wow. have a nice curved handle that you can get that. I can't do it, but if you if you can do the flip, you can do it with these pants. Well, I, you know, I'm six foot five, three hundred pounds. I got a little bit of strength, but it's still even tough for me. You know. So, yeah. <laughs> well, listen, we got to take another break. We'll come back. We'll talk more about uh, your art and the things that you've done. Okay. Hey, this is Joseph Franklin McElroy back with the Gateway to the Smokies podcast and my, and my guest, Matthew uh, Sherry. So, Matthew, um, I was reading on your website, you, you formed Shira Forge in 2005, but you didn't actually go to, in full-time in 2017. So, I imagine having kids, you know, things like that. It took a while for the business to build up. Is that the reason you didn't get to be able to full-time with that? Yeah, and, and through the bulk of that time, I had a teaching job with uh, Southwestern Community College. I was teaching shop at a local uh, high school, and uh, yeah, it was a really good job, and I enjoyed it, and so there was, there was no reason to give it up, and then uh, one day, the funding for it dried up, and things changed, and I was out the door, so I, I spent a year or two uh, working as a welder and as a carpenter, and I was driving all the way up to Cashers every day and I was kind of sick of that. So I, I said, you know what, I've, I've got a shop here that I can, I can make a living in. And so I, I took the leap. That's fabulous. I saw you one different, you got lots of different recognition. Somebody should go to your, your website. We'll, we'll talk about that at the end and see that all the press you've got. You've, you've done some fabulous things. I, I think it's pretty inspiring uh, for anybody wanting to be in the craft world that you can actually make a living at it. Right. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so you, um, so what is, where did the name Shira Forge come from? Uh, Shira Forge. And it's, sorry, uh, sorry, sorry. that's okay. Yeah. Um, it's the original spelling of my last name. Um, my ancestors have been in Western Pennsylvania since the late 1700s. And, um, you know, over time that name got changed to Shiree, but the original spelling a few hundred years ago was Shira. So mm -hmm. I, 
you know, I've always been really fascinated with my ancestry and whatnot. So it was kind of a, a paying homage to my ancestors. That's fabulous. So, so you say your name by saying it's Shira, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I, I get I get these, uh, I get you know Bob Plot, who's the head of the the, the Smoky Mountain, uh, you know, uh, uh, Mount, Mountain Med- uh, Heritage Center for the Metal Art. Uh, you know, introduces me to people and, and provides, uh, you know, the background information. Sometimes I don't have the time because like right now I'm moving into Asheville. I, I, I don't get to do the research on your name. So I apologize for not having no, absolutely okay. correct. Um, you know, so, um, so life is good in the Smoky Mountains, right? I'm moving back. I obviously always wanted to be here. Yeah. You know, but I had to, you know, I had to try my, try my uh, adventures in the world and the particular line of business I was in required me to be there. So, but your, your career is flourishing. And uh, now then you got to be on a television uh, hit series. How did that happen? Forged by fire, forged in the fire. Um, so it's been on, uh, you know, I was just on the season premiere of season nine. Mm-hmm. So it's been on eight years now. Um, and of course, you know, being a, a blacksmith, I, I was interested in the show as soon as I saw it. And, uh five or six years ago i applied to be on it and i didn't get a call back i interviewed and all that but i didn't get a call back and then a couple years ago i decided to try again and um got the interview and they said we'll be in touch and then the pandemic happened Mm -hmm. and they said look everything's on hold right now but we'll we'll be in touch and so um last july i got the call from them had the plane ticket was all set to go film and two days before i was supposed to fly out i got tested positive for covid so i couldn't go anywhere yeah and uh then about the end of october they called me again and said are you ready this time and so it it all came together cool and for people listening can you explain the format of the show to us and how, how you how you participated sure so there's three rounds of competition um there's four bladesmiths the first round, you have three hours to forge and heat treat a knife um, within whatever parameters and challenge they set forth. Um, for my episode, it was a crushed car challenge. So when we walked out on the floor, they uncovered a car that had been crushed and we had to salvage our steel for the knife out of that. Um, oh, wow. They had hidden some some good pieces of steel in there or, you know, in my case, I found a piece in the front end um cbd joint that that was really good steel that i could make a knife out of so anyway the first round one person's eliminated second round you have we had two hours to put a handle and a guard on the knife and then they put it through some pretty severe testing and a second person is eliminated and then the final two go home to their own shop for four or five days and forge whatever epic weapons they they choose and so for us, it was down to me and a fellow named Mike from Nebraska. Um, we had forged a pair of curved guitars, which are a, a weapon from ancient India. Um, they had to match. They had to have fullers in the blades and some other parameters to follow. Um, so got back down here. I spent four days in, the, in my shop with the camera crew and forged these weapons, went back up to the set and the judges put them through a final round of testing and then choose the winner. Wow. And how, what's the, what are they, what's their criteria for the winner? Uh, they put it through, you know, it had to meet all the parameters, blade length, shape, all that. Um, and then they put it through all kinds of testing. Uh, for us, 
there was like a stabbing test with the ballistics gummy, um, a slicing test with um, some some cane kind of things. Uh, so, you know, they went through several different tests, see how the knives perform, and then the judges kind of step away for a minute and and make their decision. Wow. Um, so, so basically, they're they're judging not only the aesthetics of the weapon but the functionality of it. So, so a little, you know, it's sort of a remote way. It's like the chef competition uh, show that where they got to cook based upon the parameters of the. Uh, right. Yeah. Right. Well, how did you know what a, do you know what a guitar looks like or how? It, how uh, it made? I I had a vague familiarity with them before um, before you know the reveal on the final round. Um, and I did, you know, I, I did a little research and looked at some Google images and whatnot, um, and then just kind of went for it, you know. Cool. And how, what was the grand prize? $10,000. That's not bad, right? You know, yeah, it's for, been nice. It's not bad, right? And, uh, and you get to go back on future shows, right? You compete against other champions? If they ever call me, I'd be happy to go back. Um, often cool. they do have, you know, a championship round or a beat the judges round or something like that, where they call people back. So I'm, you know, keeping my fingers crossed that I get that call next season or something. And how is that, uh, how has it changed your life personally and professionally? Are people asking for your autograph now? <laughs> uh, I've, I've had one little boy at my son's soccer game ask for my autograph, which was pretty funny. Um, yeah. uh, you know, Professionally, it's allowed me to invest in my business a little bit more, upgrade some of my tooling and stuff. Um, and, you know, it's here in the Silva area. I definitely, I have people I've never met before have come up and congratulate me and whatnot. Um, I feel like I've, I've probably gotten more local business from it than anything else. Um, you know, being in the local paper and whatnot, it's, it's given me some exposure here in Western North Carolina. that has been really good. So it's it's helped your it's helped your business then. Sure, sure, absolutely. Cool. I mean, it, that's good. I mean, yeah. I mean, t- these these reality TV shows can be a nice uh, a nice thing, but they don't they don't really change your business life that much. I have a friend of mine that would won the you know, what is that uh, project Project Runway or was in it. And mm-hmm. They don't really change your fashion life that much. So she had one or two years of things, but it's also good to have on your resume. You know. Yeah. 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 You're still a fairly young man, right? You are what in your thirties or maybe 40? uh forty-four. Forty-four. So what are your future plans? You got any projects you're looking to do? Uh I plan on just just continuing doing what I'm doing, you know, trying to improve my craft, get better at what I'm doing. Uh, you know, I I'm I'm eligible at this point to test for my journeyman stamp with the American Bladesmith Society. So in the next year or so, I'm hoping to go through that process and get my journeyman stamp. Um, you know, I, I'm hoping here in the next year or two to start teaching again. Um, I've, I've taught classes in different, different places, uh, with the last one being Haywood community college in Clyde. Um, I've taught some blacksmithing classes there and I took a break for the last two or three years to focus on my business. But I think, you know, the older I get, the more I'd like to get back into teaching some, and mm-hmm. you know, pass on what I've, what I've spent 20 years figuring out. Cool. Are you going to do any other product lines? Uh, really what I'm trying to do now is um, 
make more one-off knives. I've been kind of making them in batches and that sort of thing. And I'm going to continue doing that, but I really want to get to the place where I can kind of make what I'm inspired to make mm-hmm. and make some more one-of-a-kind pieces. I've seen you made a lot of a belt, uh, a lot of belt knives. Is that like what you wear in your belt? Is that what that means? Yeah, just kind of an everyday carry knife or a hunting knife. Um, you know, um, I I like to carry a fixed blade knife, so I've always got a little three or four inch blade on me. Um, so I make a lot of a lot of knives like that. Uh, you know, now that I'm back in North Carolina, I could carry a knife with me all the time. You know, in New York, you have a limit of like four inches. Right. <laughs> You know, I want, I, I want to talk to you. I do want to, I want, you know, I'm getting into the whole you know, cast iron and cooking and heritage cooking and things like that. I do want to talk to you about doing uh, a custom, you know, some sort of, you know, this is, it's, it's trivial, but it's, I think it's important too. I want to do a, a knife that, that looks good on camera. Right. Yeah. Right. Uh, I think that if we're doing cooking shows, it's got to look like, oh, wow, that's really cool. I want that. You know, somebody yeah. wants that knife. Right. So maybe well, can... I've been messing with Damascus quite a bit lately. Um, and, uh, you know, if you're familiar with that, I'm sure you are. Um, it, it looks pretty. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Oh, but the, also, you talk about mountain heritage. You look at things like the old hickory. I mean, I don't know how good they are. And I'm not wanting to necessarily be that primitive. But, you know, at the same time, there's just sort of an authenticity to that, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I do, on a lot of my knives, I leave some forged texture, you know, I, I, you know, some of them I clean up the whole way, but I really like that forged texture and that kind of primitive, natural look, you know, I want, I like my knives and stuff to look like they belong when they're in the woods, you know. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's, yeah, that's exactly the the kind of thing that I think works well. And you also do the, I've seen you you did a butcher, uh, butcher, whatever, those big butcher uh, blades. Mm-hmm. Right. like a cleaver cleaver yeah yeah, yeah. so uh I, I, for a moment I've, I've had half the beer so i'm now drawing blanks on for certain words <laughs> <laughs> that's why i stuck with the tea <laughs> <laughs> well it makes me look more loquacious but sometimes it makes me less intelligent <laughs> <laughs> yeah but it's worthwhile right it's yeah, just right. a podcast it's not like i'm on i'm not like i'm live wait 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 i'm live but it's not like I'm on TV. <laughs> <laughs> so um so so that's great uh and um you know i um and what there's one of the line you do can't you've done some um you've done some uh you know things like uh kitchen stuff and, and iron work and things like that would you, would you do anything like camp kitchen uh experiences you know like setups and stuff like that it will work not really uh, you know my frying pans work great on an open fire just as well as the the stove um, yeah. and in the past i've made some fireplace set or you know fire irons and whatnot for a campfire cooking but i don't really i do that kind of stuff for myself these days but i don't really make them to sell all right cool well we have to take a last break here and then we'll come back and we'll talk about uh you know some of the other things that you, you, you you've done and uh you know, your, your, your things that you find appealing about the smoke and silver. Okay. Sounds good. Howdy, this is Joseph Franklin McElroy back with the Gateway to the Smokies podcast and my guest, 
Matthew Shira, correct? Shiree, yep. Shiree. Shiree. Oh, my God. <laughs> the business is Shira. The last name is Shiree. Oh, Shiree. Okay. So, Shy is okay. So, I got it. I got it now. I'll, I'll remember it. So, uh, and we're talking about blacksmithing in the mountains. So, um, you, you you mentioned you want to get back into um, teaching. Do you think you might open your own school? No, I don't think I have any interest in that. Um, I think I might start offering some small workshops in my shop. Um, I can, my shop's pretty small. I could only accommodate probably three people in a class, but I'm thinking about doing some like little weekend workshops in my shop and uh, maybe reconnecting with Haywood Community College and starting to reach out to John C. Campbell Folk School and some other schools around the country like that. there's, well, you you know, could, you there's could, some really great facilities out there. I don't need to build one <laughs> on my you own. You know, your, 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 your shop could be a school, but it would be all the students would be online, all right? You could do a YouTube thing, or you could even, yeah. do, you could even do live podcasts, right? Yeah, my, my 13-year-old is uh, really getting into making videos, and he's been helping me with some videos and stuff. So there may come a point where I start making some more YouTube videos. Well, so you have somebody that knows how to do YouTube videos, and you have a wife that, that's great at, uh, at the lighting. Uh, you, you should be able, you know, you should be able to do something. Maybe you just not, might want to get somebody to help you write some scripts or something like that. But yeah, I, I, I've got a couple ideas. I just got to find time to make it happen. Uh, um, cool. So, um, you know, this show is also about a little bit about tourism in the, in the mountains. And I, I love talking to really great people and cultural icons and things, but also to ask them, what do you enjoy doing in, in the Smoky Mountains? Uh, anything outside, you know, we, we try to get on the lakes and rivers as much as possible in the, the summer. Um, we do a lot of hiking. I'm an avid hunter and fisherman when I, when I can find time to do it. Um, just, you know, the, the natural beauty of this place is what brought me here. And, uh, we, we try to make the most of it. Cool. And when you're in Silva, what is your, what is your favorite place to get breakfast? My favorite place to eat, period, in Silva is Guadalupe Cafe. Ah, yes. Right on Main Street. I love the, the, you get that tray with the multiple salsas, right? Yeah. That is incredible. <laughs> yeah, we went there during uh, COVID, uh, you know, and uh, and you were still able to sit at a picnic table out there and get that salsa, those multiple, yeah, and then the, everything else there is great. Yeah. How about, uh, how about, um, yeah, entertainment. What kind of what's a great entertainment place in, in Silva? Uh, Innovation Brewing, both in Silva and their Dillsboro location, they often have music. Um, let's see, where else? Uh, you know, every Friday night they have music down at the Bridge Park in town in the summers. Um, so that's that's you know, those are kind of our general go-to places. Um, yeah. Honestly, especially since the pandemic, we don't make it out very much, but yeah when we do those are the places we hit and now you know you've uh you've raised your children here in the smokies right mm -hmm. so now i'm going to be bringing three and a half year olds here all right so you had you've had children at that age what are the things i should do with three and a half year olds in the smokies if they can't get anywhere else goodness um again getting on the lakes is always fun you know what's your favorite lake uh we go down to Nan uh, fontana quite a bit um 
Uh, we've actually got a favorite lake, but I'm not going to tell you. Ah, come on. Uh, text it to me in the chat. <laughs> Maybe. It, it's a pretty tiny one around here, and not many people know about it, and I want to keep uh, it that way. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> put it in the chat. Give, give me a break. Come on. <laughs> oh, so, well, that's great. I mean, um, yeah, Lake, 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 Lake. My parents go, you know, had a place that we used to go to down in uh, the Georgia line with, uh, you know, drawn a blank on the name of it. it's been a while since since we went there but they had a pontoon boat it was always a blast yeah um so you know we're uh building a heritage center right talking about mm -hmm. heritage and i've been talking about how i want to do cooking yeah i was thinking of getting a you know a sort of a, a, a large sized camp kitchen built right with a cook set things like that any recommendations how to do that uh Honestly, not really. Um, I mean, the, you know, I think the sky's the limit, but I've, I've never built an outdoor kitchen and don't know, you know, a lot about it. But, uh -huh. um, you know, if, if you get to that point, let me know and maybe I can, you know, come up with some fire pokers and utensils and stuff like that for you. All right, cool. Um, so, uh, I, you know, I noticed that uh, a local bar and restaurant has had a big screening and welcome home event for you. Uh, after you won the, con the convention uh, com competition, I thought that was great. Uh, what was that venue? Uh, that was Lazy Hiker Tap Room on Main Street uh -huh. in Silva. Um, yeah. We, you know, we, it's a small town. We know everybody and know the managers there and whatnot. So we went and said, "Hey, we'd really like to have a party and invite all of our friends to come watch this on the big screen there." So they were more than happy to uh, make it happen. Cool. Now, how can people find out more about you? Uh, my website's definitely the easiest way to find me, uh, www.shireforge.com. Mm -hmm. And uh, are, you on there. are you on Facebook? I am on Facebook. I, I do most of my social media stuff on Instagram. Uh -huh. Okay. Uh, lots of pictures of stuff that you produce. That makes sense, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and um, uh, can people ask for custom work from you or just buy from that site? What, are they, what can they do? Uh, both. I've got, you know, products listed on the website that they can order. Um, everything's made to order. I don't really have anything in stock generally. Um, but if you have, you know, a custom knife or axe or something you want made, shoot me an email and we can uh, try and figure something out. What do they need to provide you to make a custom product? Uh, generally, like if they, if they want a custom knife, you know, I need to know if they want mono steel or Damascus, what kind of blade shape, blade length handle material, um, you know, handle construction, whether it's a full tang or a hidden tang process. Um, so, you know, just all those little details. And then uh, sometimes we just go with the, the details and other times I can sketch something up if somebody wants to. Cool. All right. Well, um, any, any other shout outs you'd like to give? Uh, just thanks to you guys for having me on here. I really appreciate it. Well, I, you know, I hope you'll come by. You know, we're doing uh, at the Smoky Mountain Heritage Center. The Bob's doing. We're we're having events where they have things like, you know, reenactments. So you mentioned earlier that you were doing that. They have, you know, the, I think they're going to have blacksmithing uh, things going on, and they're, they're going to have, uh, you know, all sorts of heritage events. I think you would enjoy. So I hope you will come come by and meet me in person, and we can, uh, you know, talk about uh, pans and knives. Absolutely, <laughs> I'd. Uh... I'd love to uh, participate in some of the events you've got going on there and maybe teach a class there at some point. 
that would be fun i mean uh, we're starting to we, you know we're starting to do some really good classes like that and i think that uh it's beneficial for everyone involved because i really love celebrating the culture of these appalachians and, his, and historical things and celebrating what's good about our history absolutely and, uh, and you know the crafts was by far one of the most beautiful things of our history yeah all right absolutely cool. so we're part of the um talk uh talkradio.nyc network uh this podcast is uh, every tuesday from six to seven uh and there's many other podcasts on, on this network that i i you know uh, enjoy uh, try to convince you to see because it ranges from small business to other travel um shows to self-help to you know information about pets information about insurance you know uh, personal wellness spirituality um so it's not often you get a network it's all live podcasts so i think there's a dynamicism to live that uh and and a, a, a less formality that you can get uh you know the host is on the is on the show drinking <laughs> and screwing up names and words but uh it makes you it makes you authentic you also know that you get some authentic information it's not right it's not pre-planned media so anybody listening please go to talkradio.nyc and find the shows that might be of interest to you now you can find out more about this podcast on um uh, facebook at facebook.com slash gateway to the smokies podcast where we um we will stream live every tuesday and also have the previous episodes and other information about the Smokies that you might find useful and the towns and crafts and things going on. Um, and we are also, uh, all our previous episodes are hosted on SmokiesAdventure.com. If you go to that site, SmokiesAdventure.com, you'll find the link at the top saying Gateway to the Smoky Podcast. And you can go and see all the podcasts. And we've had great people from craftsmen to politicians to outdoorsmen to historians to book writers things like that we're starting to get a, a nice uh, inventory i think it's well over 60 now of uh, of uh, shows that are, are not tr they're not just they're not just tourism you know um oh look at this great place come and see it it, it gets into some thought about uh, the people here and, and representing well how you know uh, thoughtful, intelligent, and 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 deep this this mountain culture is, uh, and I encourage you to go there. And uh, I also run another podcast on TalkRadio.nyc called Wise Content Creates Wealth. I happen to be a marketing expert, and I'm delving into the world of AI, artificial intelligence, and how it's changing content production, and uh, and uh, and you know search and marketing uh, and and how behavioral science is being used to influence what you're reading. So both from a business perspective and from understanding what's happening to you as you go to sites and going to information, you know, to, to help you understand the world as it's being presented to you. It's a good, uh, I think it's a good show. All right. So thank you. I'll see you next time on Gateway to the Smokies podcast from six to seven uh, next week on Tuesday. Ciao.